We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, any questions related to any of the material we've covered for the last couple of days? Anything at all? Nothing. Okay. I have a question. So, yes, Asim. Um, the, the, the timeline you drew out yesterday like about life or lives i'm not sure how to yeah but uh what's the actual the only thing we got out of time on this was that uh at, after the resurrection the prophet will perform such stuff for you said up to a week but what's the uh what does the overall timeline look like of like the beginning of the day of judgment through to the actual bridge moment resurrection to the bridge do we know Fifty thousand years all right cool, cool. <laughs> so either it will be the equivalent of fifty thousand years or it'll feel like fifty thousand years yes not five hundred thousand uh, yeah yeah okay any other questions so yeah imagine you're in the womb and someone comes along and tells you, yeah, you're going to be living in this world that has trees and and iPhones and, you know, Hershey bars. And you're going to be there for a while. And that seems as incomprehensible as you're in this world. And you're going to be resurrected and then held to account in a court date that spans 50,000 years. So, <laughs> any other questions? Again, the key thing is to first and foremost approach this as a reality, as an inescapable reality for each and every one of us, meaning cowering in fear, hiding from it is not only not going to make it go away, it's just going to make it come closer and closer. Every single one of us is on this train headed directly for the day of judgment, a perfect segue into, into this next ayah. So <clears throat> part of our discussion was about the, the nature of life. Is life fair? We concluded that without the Day of Judgment, life is not fair. Uh, with the Day of Judgment, then life is completely fair, which also means that if someone wrongs me, they cannot escape it. But if I wrong someone, they cannot escape it. But also, if I witness a wrong and do nothing about it, uh, I am potentially going to be held to account for my inaction or my action. If I am witnessing a wrong, if I'm witnessing someone else's suffering. Okay, in terms of the terms themselves, Malik is master or owner. Malik, Malik. Yom, you know, is day. Dean, however... It's not really judgment. Dean is interaction. Boom. Hey, Mustafa, what's the word for debt in Arabic? <laughs> Why ask me? What do I know? No. Dane. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you're saying things or processing things, but yeah. I, I was 
thinking and then I was like Dane, but forgot I was on mute. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. So so one point to think about is that we often speak of this as the day of judgment, but it makes jury duty seem not so bad. Yeah. That uh that uh among the various names given to that specific day are the day of accounting, uh, the day of gathering. What we don't seem to find is the day of justice. So, uh, although we would include that uh, uh, in a sense. And so, as we mentioned here uh, in part four, is that much of the day of judgment is, is a straightforward method of accounting. Where we are effectively saying the day of judgment is a meritocracy. You get what you earn. You will not get less than what you earn, but you may get more than what you earn. That you may get uh, exactly what you earn, and you will recognize that on the day of judgment. Or Allah might give mercy to you and give you more. Now, building off what we spoke about yesterday, consider a couple scenarios. Scenario one is I, in full consciousness, wrong you. And then on the day of judgment, I have to pay you back. Okay, so far so good. Now, let's say I wrong you, but I didn't realize you were there. You know, let's say I'm parking my car. I don't realize you're standing there and then I hit you. And I don't know that you're lying on the ground. I walk away. The example might be too violent. But uh, here, no, no, let's make it easier. Let's say we're at the masjid. And I see shoes and I take them, not realizing they're your shoes. Do I owe you any accounting? Possibly not. Does Allah owe you accounting? Yes. Because your shoes are taken away. So now, suppose I'm a psychopath. Let's use someone else's this. No, okay, fine. Yeah, suppose, exactly. Where in my neurology, I can't control myself. And let's say I harm you in a very, very severe way. But inside, I wish I didn't have this. But I, neurologically, I can't control myself. Do I owe you anything on the day of judgment if I've harmed you? Potentially not. But does Allah owe you for the fact that you were wronged? Yes. Almost why I didn't understand what you meant by but both because God also um put that neurological condition in the person who doesn't want to behave that way. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of an affliction or a suffering he's going yes. through. So I may also be compensated by Allah for this condition that is compelling me to hurt other people. Which means you and I might meet each other in paradise. And so I'm giving you this to give a sense of how justice operates. Justice is between you and Allah. 
ultimately. That already he's given me the favor of existence, but then he's put an obligations on me in this worldly life. And then on top of that, he's also promised to give me fairness. That if it doesn't manifest in this world, it'll manifest on the other side. So it could be that I have such neurology that I've harmed numerous people in horrendous ways, and yet I could not control it. Allah is going to treat me fairly on the Day of Judgment. Allah is going to treat all the victims fairly on the Day of Judgment. Any thoughts? How does it make you feel? Not great. Why? Um, the sort of social and political contract I, I wish we had is one, is that our relationships are based on trust and accountability. And so in a sense, that makes me feel like, like this makes me feel like there is a path for abusers to be redeemed. And that is a hard pill to swallow. But where's the redemption? If uh, someone cannot control themselves. Meaning they would legitimately, by Allah, be evaluated as though they cannot control themselves. Meaning as opposed to using them using as an excuse. Like, for example, oh, I'll give you a simple, nice example. When I went to class on the first day of fasting and nearly the entirety of my class did not show up. And the explanation for every single one of them uh, 15 out of 19 students is, oh, we over, I overslept. I'm so sorry I overslept. Yeah. Sincere? If it's sincere, then they'll be judged according to sincerity. If it was an excuse like, yeah, it's Muzaffar's class. Who cares? I'm going to hang out late. And then they overslept. Not the same thing. Awesome. Yeah, man. Still hard. Sure. Yeah. So it could be not only that your hypothetical abuser gets paradise, might even get a higher level of paradise. Yes. Mustafa. So I think one thing to bear in mind, and hopefully that might help somewhat awesome, um, is... I like how you pronounce his name. It's awesome. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Is that intention matters. Uh, okay. So, like, if someone is intentionally abusing someone and trying to, like, essentially trick God, they they can't. They're mm-hmm. not going to be able to get away with something like that. Yeah. They are be held according to their intention. Um, what I think Mustafa uh, Omar is referring to is, like, if someone literally can't help themselves, they have a condition where they're not in control of themselves and their actions which I think is drastically different from someone who is intentionally trying to abuse others and harm others. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that makes sense. It's, it's like, it sort of makes me think of like people who have Tourette's and they swear and it's mm-hmm. like socially acceptable, but you, you understand because it's because of the Tourette's mm-hmm. it's yeah. I guess the hard part for me is like, 
in in terms of abusers do do they have a responsibility for attempting to change their condition as in if they wish they didn't do this then do they have a responsibility for using all the tools at their disposal you know up to therapy or whatever uh, up to and including therapy or whatever that that might help them not be that way like are they putting in the work because like one of the questions is is at what point is it just an excuse if you're not putting in the work is it just an excuse but the the deeper point of your question is you're asking is god fair yeah i mean i guess i guess the question of what what is fair right who defines fair because we cannot wrong others but with god's permission okay right the 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 ability to sin or to act wrongfully in any way is based is rooted in permission from god okay right and so who is defining or or i guess not who is defining fair because that much is clear but under what I guess under what definition of fair should we be operating? Okay, if we're speaking about social life and law, then someone's going to be subjected to the law. Okay. If we're speaking about the day of judgment, then they're going to be held to account according to ability. So let's say we have somebody who is, is is it all good now? That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, So ability does include then attempting to get help or trying or or uh yeah. putting in work yeah. right? like you can't just resign yourself to your condition essentially if you know that that's uh uh you have these options if it's legitimate right if it's yeah, not yeah. Yeah. yeah okay fair enough and zainab i think nadia you would raise your hand zainab um yeah and i think one thing to keep in mind too i recently had this explained to me and it gave me a much different perspective Um, especially when it comes to Jenna, if there is a scenario where you and the abuser do end up in Jenna together, at that point, whether like you're on a higher level or they're on a higher level, this feeling of jealousy is removed within all of us. And like the concept is that when we're in heaven, like the world or like our existence does revolve around ourselves. Like we don't have this like sense of needing to get justice or needing things to be fair when we all reach the end. And that's something that also gives me a lot of peace because we're all going to go through that accountability from God in terms of what was within our ability so that when we all end up on the other end, um, that feeling within itself is also removed. Totally, totally. And then even on top of that, you will still be compensated by Allah according to what you've been made to suffer whether the person who did it to you did it willfully or did not do it willfully, you're still going to be compensated. It is not as though an abuser is going to be able to get away with it any more than um, uh, anyone else. Uh, Now that you had raised your hand, but now your camera's off, so I don't know if you're... Um, Yeah, I, I think that you answered it. It was kind of like what Austin said about you can help yourself even if you're somebody who, I think your example was like, 
goes and kills people and really can't help it, you could lock yourself in a house because you know if you have that ability. If you have the ability, yeah. Right. Because I'm thinking about like pedophiles who are like, I can't help it. Like I just drive my van around and grab children. You know, like Mm -hmm. I just at some point you know that you're hurting others and you need to do something about it. Meaning even if it's just move your way away. If you're like an abuser and you're like domestic violence, things like that, then step away from the situation. If you have the capability, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But again, in terms of the law, they're still subjected to the law. But if there if we have this hypothetical situation where a person literally cannot control themselves any more than an animal in a jungle, you know, uh, feeding off of other animals. Like, let me reframe the whole thing. In terms of accountability uh, before a law, y'all can still see the screen, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Accountability. This is one of the fun things about uh, Arabic and Urdu, that, um, uh, hey, Mustafa, I'm going to test your Arabic again. What's the word, what is the word for accountability? Got to come up with six different words. One of them will be the correct word. Uh, the the word that comes to mind is actually responsibility, which is masuleya, uh, not okay. account. Uh, mm, could be medunaya. <laughs> yeah, it kind of works. Taklif. Yeah. So this is more for some. Yeah. Like, yes, yes, yes. And what's the wonderful hey, Urdu speakers? What is taklif in Urdu? Pain. Uh, pain. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's how. We were the speakers think of responsibility. We just think of it as pain. In any case, uh, accountability. You have accountability. Uh, essentially, uh, if you have two things, maturity and the definition of maturity here, the physical definition of maturity is puberty, meaning you have the physical signs of puberty, like the growing of coarse hair, Right. And then, essentially, intellect. And intellect means that you have the ability to recognize right from wrong or harm from from detriment or harm from benefit. So right from wrong or benefit from harm. And you have the ability to choose. If you do not have that, then you are, for lack of a better term, mentally ill to the point that you do not have accountability. In the case of someone who is committing uh, rampant abuse, they might hide just in the same way in our court system, someone might plead temporary insanity, right? They won't be able to get away with that with the law. But the point being, you might have a grown adult who looks like a grown adult, and yet they do not have the capability of controlling themselves. Another ridiculous example, uh, when you watch one of the greatest movies of all time, Finding Nemo, and you have Bruce the Shark, who's literally singing, you know, fish are friends, not food. And then the, uh, I think Dory gets cut a little bit, and then the little tiny drop of blood reaches his nose and then his eyes change and then he just can't control himself. Okay. So I'm thinking, saying, think of 
the the hypothetical person like that. Nadia. I'm interested before we like leave that past topic about if it's question in the chat. Oh snap. I have the same question. Let me find it. Oh, okay, sorry. How about the scenario of a child hurting a parent without the intent to do so? Maybe a matter of perspective. Each party feels they are behaving the right. Uh, let's think of uh, a couple scenarios. One is the child, by virtue of birth, is causing pain to the mother. The uh, child is a baby. Uh, the mother is going to be compensated for her suffering for the child, yeah? And then what would be uh, either if or not, what would be an example of this scenario? Hey, Sonicum. Um, what I was going to say is like, I feel like oftentimes there's like a generation gap, right? So the child feels like I'm doing the right thing for me, uh, right? And, and the parent's like, no, that's not how you should live your life. And it's like, small things, big things. I mean, it could just be like a global feeling of, I don't know what my child is doing. So they feel like yeah. responsible. The other thing I would say is that we're all on a journey, right? So the child may feel like I'm just not where you want me to be. And you can't force that yeah. because it's a process, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. So um, if I'm understanding you correctly, think of an example, like the parents believe it is their right to choose who the child marries and the child says, no, it is my right to choose who I marry. And so scenario, uh, I know someone who found someone in college and, uh, and then they got married and then he tells his father, you know, I just got married and the father says, you have hurt me. Like no one could ever imagine hurting someone. So, on the one hand, you know, they see exaggerations, but on the other hand, let's say he meant it completely um, to the point that he almost refused to go to the, the. I think you're all having a little bit too much fun with the chat here, but he refused to go, the father refused to go to the 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 actual wedding uh, and had to be convinced by one of his friends to, to go to the wedding. So in that case, uh, the child uh, sincerely did everything properly and will be rewarded and the parent sincerely believe that this was their right violated and so they will potentially be compensated make sense nadia and ifit you know what i what i what i'm noticing though is that and and i i truly feel this way too um Actually, I may have learned this in this class, you know, just that like anytime like you have some kind of interaction with the dunya, it's really about you and Allah, not about 100%. the third. You know what I mean? So that's like what it is. So we're not going to care as time, like in the afterlife, like that that person wronged me or whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. we should just stop caring now, which is hard. You have to emotionally remove yourself from it. You know, it is. It is a level of faith, right? I mean, yeah, that ultimately think of everyone around you as God's robots. And if someone is doing some, if you're harming one of the robots, you will have to compensate for it. If one of the robots is harming you, Allah will compensate you for it. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Like when I think about it, um, because, you know, like I think we've all had exercises where we'd had, we've had to like remove ourselves in the situation and kind of recognize like what it is. It's a test. 
it's supposed to teach us something and it's not about the players in the test, right? So it's almost like you're in the matrix and you're yes. like going through obstacles mm -hmm. and, you know, it's like everyone's game is different. And it's like, even though you interact, your judgment is completely different. Your game's different. The lesson's different. So if you think about it that way, you kind of can remove yourself from like the person, the action, and mm -hmm. you say sucks and everything should be pointing me towards maturing to a state of understanding that this should be bringing me closer to Allah, which sounds really general, but actually in every situation, if we look for it, we could probably find that. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Well, can I add something to that? Um, Go like for it, Nadia. Parent, with the parent-child scenario, I don't know if this is correct, but what I've been taught is it's not equal because you have an obligation to listen to your parents. Jenna's under the mom's feet. So if they say <laughs> you're making us upset, then you're also like earning bad points right potentially so. but it depends on the issue yeah. right and and so uh i'm trying to think of other other similar scenarios because all right so we have a teaching that if your father is happy with you it is a sign that allah is happy with you yeah now we can read that two ways Hey, my dad's happy with me. Allah's happy with me. Or as a father, I can decide I'm happy with my children. See what I'm saying? It depends upon which end of the narration we want to look at. Meaning as a father, I can decide if I'm happy or unhappy with my child. That's my choice. Which will then manifest in my child. So... If I choose to be happy with my child, then it is as though I'm making a dua to Allah to be happy with my child. If I choose to be unhappy with my child, then it is as though I'm making a dua to Allah to be unhappy with my child. Yeah. And so a lot of these narrations, uh, we're often framing them in whatever reading benefits the parents more and that's completely what you'd expect south asian parents to do but you know you know you have to break the cycle so so likewise yeah heaven is under your mother's feet and it is next to impossible it is no perhaps impossible to pay back your mother right we have the narrations where the the companion takes his mother on his back through the entirety of the hudge so hudge is very grueling especially in the heat does all the dwarfs with his mother on his back, Sayyid Safan Marwa with his mother on his back, is at the, the field, Muzdalafan such with his mother on his back. And then asks the Prophet, peace be upon him, did I pay my mother back? And the Prophet said, uh, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but the numbers I believe are correct. You did one-tenth of the equivalent of your mother switching from one side to the other side when she's nursing you. <laughs> That's how impossible it is to pay your mother back. And of course, nobody cares about fathers. So then, uh, what is the effective way to pay your mother back by having your own children? And then, it becomes, and then they have to have their children. They have their children. They have their children. Uh, so there can be ways in which you are irritating your parent, and their complaint is sound. So, and then it might be on you to figure out how to change it. 
but they're also speaking, you know, in my case where I'm talking to students about this literally all day, every day, uh, there might be also cases where the parents are being literally unfair. So it becomes a, a moment by moment, case by case situation. Asim bin Tabish bin Mustafa. Sorry, there's a, a crying baby in the room, but uh, you mentioned the idea of each person believing they have been wronged, so Allah will account with each of them independently, right? Sure. So what if the idea of being wrong lands, what if the idea of being wronged lands outside of the norms of Islamic teachings? Uh, what would be an example? Um, so if... Okay, so let's take a scenario where parents are trying to force a child into marriage. Yeah. Right? That's outside of the norm of Islamic teaching. Correct. And if the child says, no way. Okay, thank you. I'm getting diaper deliveries from my kid. Yeah, mashallah. Ilyas, <laughs> Ilyas, uh, give your dad some more diapers, please. I, yeah, I need them, right? Uh, if, um, if the parent feels wronged, because their child would not um, accept a forced marriage. Um, and the child feels wronged because the parents tried to force them into a marriage. Yeah. How, like, what's the it reconciliation is, there? It is possible that they both get compensated from Allah. Yeah. And so in the case of the child, the child genuinely... Uh, does not want to marry this person. It is their choice. Okay, and let's say the parent truly believes, because that's what they've been taught their whole lives. You know that I have to pick this child. You know I have to pick this marriage, and I know this specific uh, uh, bride or groom that I'm picking for my child uh, is actually very good for them, for them, not for me, not for my image, not for shame. You know. And so I'm feeling suffering and pain, then potentially I'm also getting compensated by Allah for it. Okay. As long as the key being that we're being genuine, we're being sincere in this moment. Make sense? Yeah. So, uh, Tabish, I think you and then Mustafa. Yeah. Um, I found it really interesting uh, when you mentioned the, the terminology interaction. Um, and uh, I kind of think back to a macro and a micro of this uh, particular discussion. Uh, one that perhaps, for example, if we, you know, we do engage in commerce at, you know, let's say a, a retail store or a restaurant, and there's some sort of wrong that I feel that I've been wronged by the actual uh, provider. Uh, usually you can't talk to an authority figure. And, you know, if there's some sort of justification in it, there's some sort of comp that comes into play for you as a customer. So that kind of comes into mind. And then it goes to a macro that I'm thinking of, which is like, historically speaking, uh, for human beings, commerce does affect our direct interactions, even with rival civilizations, uh, so much so that there could be an oppressive civilization that's leading the way in one era in history. And they dictate the trade lines, so they have some degree of responsibility that they have to display, even towards those whom they're oppressing in that sense. So I, I don't know. It's just it's just a thought that came to mind that I felt wanted to share. I think it's correct. One of the big risks for all of us living in the United States is is my normal, simple, passive, law-abiding lifestyle uh, actually going to 
get me punished because of all the exploitation it is that is involved with all the people in the rest of the world. This is why I always refer people to the website Slavery Footprint, where you can add in some of your own data, five-minute survey, and uh, it'll tell you how much forced labor was required for you to have the lifestyle that you have. And Or uh, a simple example with all these cell phone batteries is research everything that's involved involved just with cobalt. And cobalt is this chemical that is used to make your uh, your rechargeable battery not explode from overheating. And almost all the cobalt in the world, or half of it, is in one country in Africa with all the types of slave child labor you can imagine to dig it, which then gets refined through Chinese companies, which then gets sold to Apple and Samsung and such, you know. And uh, when you look at all the different elements of your own lifestyle, uh, it is terrifying how many people are suffering, how many people are suffering for me to just be Mr. Cool. Yeah. And so uh, all of this is interaction, exactly. Uh, yes, uh, Mustafa and then Sadia. Uh, so starting back to the parents topic, um, I recalled and I did quick Googling to figure out if it was a hadith or not because i suspected it wasn't it was uh, a narration uh, of omar uh, with regards to a man who came to complain about how his uh, son uh, was i don't know how to translate that in uh, say, say the word again with Fusan uh, egyptian dialect can i um can you Oh, oh, so responsible or oh, disrespect, disrespect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Omar asked the son why he was doing that. And the son told him that um, he was named Khunfuse, uh, which is Beetle, and wasn't taught a single word by his father. And Omar told uh, the man that, like, the man disrespected the son before the son disrespected the man. And so, um, like, it goes both directions, and there is responsibility in both directions. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing to bear in mind is you would not be present in this world if not for your parents. And so you, by nature of that relationship, owe them for your existence in this world. Mm -hmm. And it's not a light thing that you own <laughs> yeah absolutely and like i said uh um, just it is to your that, yeah nobody, nobody really asked to be born so i find that argument sometimes um I, I don't feel like it makes sense because you only owe somebody if you ask them like we didn't really have a choice to come into this world or not okay fair enough so there was this daisy guy who sued his parents on this exact issue i didn't you know i didn't ask for you to give birth to me um, I don't know what happened with with uh, the the trial. So that would then be answered by the fact that that was Allah's will, that He chose for me to be born, and He chose for me to be born to these parents. And then the part that gets paid back to the parents is, you know, the fact that you know my mom bore me in the womb and such, and then hypothetically, then my mom took care of me when I was an infant and all that. 
but yeah, you're correct. We didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. Uh, but this is where you get back to the point of this is what Allah set up and we surrender. Nadia, what do you think? Okay, we can get back to you. Sadia. So um, I was thinking about patience um, when we were talking about compensation and being wronged. So I'm thinking we are assuming that those two things like forgiveness and patience are, you know, we are assuming that they are already already there and then the accounting is going to happen because what if the person who has been wronged but they have also done a lot of complaining about that okay i'm not understanding huh i'm not at all understanding your your uh, so let's say if i'm if i'm wronged i feel i'm wronged or i'm actually legitimately wrong mm-hmm. and wronged and but i also complain about it a lot to people, to friends, or to just to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't show a lot of patience. What would be the compensation for me? Ah, okay. So if I have wronged you, then you have the right to tell people I have wronged you. Okay. But then you are potentially giving up Allah compensating you for, or me compensating you for wronging you. If you are telling people that I wronged you to protect other people from me, then that's a different intention. If you forgive me for wronging you, then you can't say anything. Then if you're complaining, then you are wronging me. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts, questions? Usually, usually the day of judgment uh, conversations uh, spans quite a few sessions. So, this is very, very normal, mashallah. Mustafa. So, circling back to what Nadia said about our not asking to mm-hmm. be into this world, because it's something that, like, I have actually struggled with uh, personally. Um, mm-hmm. I do recall coming across a, a viewpoint about how it's better to be uh jamad than to be nothing uh and it's better to be um like a living being than to be jamad mm-hmm. and it's um better to be um human and capable of thought than it is to be just like a living being like an animal for example um do you have any thoughts or insights on that I would say it doesn't change Nadia's point, uh, but it can be a tool for me to appreciate my existence, right? That, all right, uh, an easier way to think of it is uh, I would rather be healthy than unhealthy, right? I'd rather be able to see than to not see, you know? And, And thus... I mean, so we have the narration of Omar, where he, Omar ibn al-Khattab, where he is basically, you know, saying, if only I was just a blade of grass, 
then I would have to be held to account before a law for whatever it is that I'm doing, right? So I would suggest using these different uh, frameworks as a way for me to either help navigate life or even empower me, then I think those are good. I don't think, however, they, they, uh, they directly respond to Nadia's point that in terms of what I owe my parents, I owe them everything, but I didn't ask them to give me any of this. Um, uh, I'd say those, yeah, those would be two different points. Make sense? Yeah. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections on accounting and the day of judgment? Oh, I do have one more. At the awesome. Class, you, said, you said it's interesting at the beginning of your class that no one uses justice, uh, but isn't that built into judgment? As in, we bet Allah's judgment is fair, isn't that what justice is? Yeah, I mean, we would we, uh, assume that. And when I'm saying no one uses justice, I'm saying I don't recall any reference in our primary sources to it being called a day of justice as opposed to a day of accounting and such. Uh, the point is still the same, that you will be getting complete fairness. Whereas justice seems to more often be spoken of in dunya, although one of the names of Allah is, of course, al-adl, the just. So this is more just like a almost a semantic point that I'm just drawing attention to. And and the little man's style of, of sounds more or less the same benefit you all get from me teaching. Okay. Uh, let's see. Ramya is saying, I missed some of today's discussion. Excuse me, this question does quite uh, fit, but I am wondering how does one reconcile what is due to one's parents versus this common discourse or holding appropriate boundaries limits? Uh, Ramya, if I can ask you to expand on your question, um, is I feel like I'm not understanding it. I don't know. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, loud and clear. Okay, awesome. Uh, I'm just, I, in this part of the discussion, so I don't know if it, it seems like you guys are talk, you were talking about sort of what, like, sort of justice and what is due and, and what we're sort of accountable for on the Day of Judgment. Uh, perhaps maybe I, I, I'm off completely, but I guess I'm, I'm wondering what the balance is between, uh, I came in this idea of like, of sort of like what you owe to your mother. And as like a therapist, there, there's, there's always all this conversation around like holding limits and boundaries uh, in relationships with like parents and like family of origin. And so I guess I'm wondering like, what is this space of obligation and like where, where is this sort of, where does like the discourse of boundaries sort of fit? Like yeah. what, what kind of limits are appropriate within this sort of paradigm? So the best I can give you is general concepts. So what is mandatory to give to parents is kindness. Right, which I mean, I probably failed as much as anybody else in this room, considering how much I like to troll my parents. But uh, from there, uh, secondarily is obedience. But the interesting thing is that the Quran does not say you have to obey your parents directly, as directly as it says you have to be kind to your parents. And it's more understood as you should not disobey your parents, except if they're telling you to do something wrong. Right. And then disrespect, respect, part of it is going to be the eye of the beholder, but the default is to treat them, to speak with them in, with respect. But that goes back to kindness. So again, the real key thing that 
is owed to parents is kindness. Now, there may be cases where, because of trauma, because of tyranny and such, where you're not capable of doing so, or you need to keep your distance, uh, that should be regarded as a temporary thing as opposed to a permanent thing. Ramya, what say you? Makes sense. That sounds good. Okay, inshallah. Ifat, and then Zainab, and then Mustafa. Sorry if I'm not calling on you in order, but it's just on my screen. Yeah, so what I was going to say is, like, what if you learn about some of this stuff, and you're like, shoot, I haven't been applying this, you know? And you think back, and you're like, man, I really wish I could go back and change some of my actions, because I didn't really understand that before. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, we all we all get mature at some point, hopefully. I mean, someday I will too, inshallah. And so you're going to be held to account for what you you legitimately knew and did not know. Yeah. Make sense? Okay. Yeah. Inshallah. Thank you. Zainab. Um, going back to Rimia's question real quick, and I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, um, but going back to your Rama question. Lakshmi or... is her name. <laughs> um yeah go ahead um i think that the the thing that a lot of people struggle especially like with her having a therapy background and and the whole thing right now being boundaries and holding them um and doing what's right for you i think the thing that a lot of people struggle with is that obedience part um but i think that also goes back to what uh ifat was saying where it's like ultimately your first responsibility is your relationship between you and god and so it's like if you at the end of the day can reconcile like, okay, your parents are asking something of you. And maybe it's like bordering that line between like, you know, what's haram or what's not haram, but, you know, but what is obedience? As long as you can rectify that within yourself at the end of the day that you can explain it to God. I think that also helps really navigating that relationship between maybe parents that are not abusive, but parents you don't get along with. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mustafa. I'm not sure if Ifat has more to add or not. Oh, Ifat, did you have a follow-up question? Um, hold on. Um, no, I think there's just like, when you think about scenarios, like, um, you know, you think about being wronged, I guess, you know, um, just how maybe you handle it and if it was okay. Like, there's just, you could start thinking back on things and wondering and, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't know how to reconcile a lot of that stuff. So, yeah. uh if I'm understanding your question correctly, then we just keep asking Allah for forgiveness, right? Yeah. For all the ways we've fallen short uh, and we're not able to make sense of things or reconcile things. And you know, some of it is like, you, you, it's not like, even though it's really between you and Allah, in this dunya, it's not, because you can't just shut people out, right? So like, you could be doing something and, and this is going back to the same thing with the parents, right? Like you could be like on your journey and you're, and you're heading in the right direction. Right. But they want you to be like a 10 and maybe you're like a three or something, you know, and you're like, I'm not a 10. I can't do this. So it's like, you know, like sometimes you don't have that understanding with your parent to explain it to them. They just continue to be annoyed with you mm-hmm. <laughs> or think oh, that yeah. you're in, in the yeah. wrong, in the afterlife. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and yeah, I think that what you're describing, many people in this in this uh, room can completely identify with. Like the example I always give is, suppose you're in a competition with 50,000 other people 
and you come home and tell your parents, you know, your Daisy or Arab parents, I came in second out of 50,000 people. And what does the Daisy or Arab parents say? Why not first? And what we hear is you have failed in life, right? You are pointless. You are worthless. What they're actually saying is, I know you had the capability of being number one, meaning they're actually saying, I believe in you, okay? but they're using the wrong approach to say it. <laughs> it's fun watching your expressions. And so that's what they're saying. You could have been number one. What held you back? But what we're hearing is you are the worst, you know, piece of mass in the history of all creation. You have embarrassed us by coming in second out of 50,000 people. That's what we're hearing, you know. And so so this is exactly a conversation I had, you know, with with someone yesterday, you know, someone who's struggling a lot with, with uh, uh, a mean mother. And the mean mother is someone who just is fantastic with uh, insults. And I had to make the point that first and foremost, in at least 50% of South Asian culture, an insult is an expression of love, right? So your parent calls you Batamiz, I love you. Bebekuf, I love you. Beshram, I love you. Jahil, I love you. Bagel, I, I mean, every single thing. Those are all variations. Say it again, Omar. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear what you said. So all these things are very common for a Desi parent to express love because for them, love is illustrated in action. The translators' words. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah, these are, all, these are all words you don't want to call someone else, you know, unless you want to alienate them. But they're all basically bad insults. No. But the point being that... Uh, uh, so the default expression that so many Daisy parents are used to is no matter what you do, it's disapproval, right? And I've had to get into the, the case of, of a couple of parents, and you've all heard this from me before, where I've told them literally, you keep this up, I'm always going to have a job, you know? You, you keep this scenario of always being disapproving of your child, they come to my office, I'm still going to have a job. So by all means... You know, every time you say, you know, these nasty things to your child, cha-ching, dollar signs for me, you know. So, uh, if I thought you were about to say some uh, follow-up thing. You're on mute. Okay, while, while you're, you know, yeah, go ahead, yeah. I'm going to say that um, maybe a discussion for another time, but related to this, I think, like, so much of this has to do with, like, how you grow up and the interaction between you and your parents, but also like how then that teaches you how to interact with yourself. Mm -hmm. Totally. Why are you saying this? You're saying, oh, this is an expression of love when clearly it's hurtful to the of child. Course. But, so, but how did it normalizing it? You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, totally, totally. You know, uh, Jenna's not in the class, but all her friends tell her, tell me that she's a big bully, Jenna, my daughter, and probably just because of me trolling her. And even to get further into the, the, the parents' psychology, part of their psychology, not saying it's justified, is basically they're saying the world is tough and I'm trying to toughen you up, right? But yes, exactly how you're receiving things is going to affect then how you look at yourself and how you look at other things. No question. This is what basically led the student into my office because she had literally no ounce of self-worth. Right. Yeah. Mustafa, 
Did, was someone saying something? No, you're good. Go ahead. Sure. Um, so I went back to like thinking about accountability and taklif, and I feel like taklif would be more precisely translated to assignment. And I kept about what works best for accountability, and I felt like it's masubeya. So is there a reason why accountability is translated to taklif? How would you translate uh, mukallaf? Assigned. Okay, interesting. So basically in the law books, mukallaf is one who is accountable and and accountability is taklif. Oh, okay. So there might be an evolution in terms of its use in Arabic language. Mm-hmm. So. That I mean, I can see the overlap, and it's very difficult to like translate precisely because there are nuances. Yeah, of course, yeah, and that's also a fair point. Uh, I'm using it as a legal term, and so all the legal terms will have their specific meaning. Cool. Any other thoughts, questions, reflections on anything else while we continue to talk about the day of judgment? We need training workshops specifically designed for Daisy parents and how to show love to their kids. <laughs> I gave at MCC in Chicago, for those of you who know, I gave this whole khutbah about how your child needs to hear, I love you. And even though you might show it through action, that's literally what I kept, I must have repeated that five times in a half hour khutbah. And the whole khutbah was about this. And then after that, there's the usual line of 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 men who, who want to speak with me. Half of them want to correct me everything that I said wrong. But for example... One one man says, yeah, I got this 13-year-old kid who never listens to me. And and I asked him, you know, how often do you tell him you love him? And he goes, he already knows I love him. I was like, bro, did you not just listen to the khutbah I gave? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a couple moments left. Ifat. Yeah, I just wanted to say that, like, um, uh, I feel that one thing, in my opinion, that we're missing in our... Islamic culture is self-love, you know, if we don't, and honestly, like, you know, in, in like what I do in a daily, uh, I'm a physician, I'm a weight loss physician. So I see these patients in and they're just self-blame and loathing and like all of this like negative. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to this related to some other issues. And I feel like, why don't we do a better job of recognizing that the best gift that Allah gave you is you, you should love yourself, you know, more than anybody except for God and you know your mother because mm-hmm. Allah gave you you and He made you good, you know, mm-hmm. and challenges. So I just feel like that's not taught by parents. It's not taught, you know, like there's there's so much blame and shame, and even like the self-deprecating, um, you know, uh, I don't know. This is taught as part of Islamic, like you know, etiquette that you should like think of yourself as less and all this kind of stuff. I don't think it's about self-aggrandizement that I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I'm just, like you should recognize that Allah made you good. Mm-hmm. And you strive to like rise to the occasion of your fitra, you know, and that if you make a mistake, then recognize that um, that's exactly what you are as a human being. Perfection is with God alone, you know, and there should be some compassion that you have. If Allah is all merciful, you should be merciful to others and yourself. Uh, you know, I, yeah, like this- I missed the last sentence that you just said. Oh, thing. I just feel like it's a major thing that's lacking 
And you see it even in the generation of like the generation, like our parents' generation. There's so much like, you know what my mother said? <laughs> my parents sit there, they read Quran and they're like studying it word to word, all the stuff. Like this is all they do. And it's like their joy in life. And I, it's beautiful to see. And my mom, I was taking a walk with her when it was nice out, trees were changing color. And she goes, sometimes I just think like, are we even real Muslims? And I'm just like, don't you think this is a little bit extreme? She goes, yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like we're not even like, there's so much in the crime. We're not following anything, you know? And it's just overboard. And it's, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a strain mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, you're causing stress and inflammation. It's like no good. I don't think Allah wants. <laughs> I like how you connected to inflammation too. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think the form to be honest with you, I think it's a form of ingratitude. We should be so grateful that we're at whatever point we're at because Allah helped us to get at least to the point of awareness that we need to get further. You know what I mean? So in agreement with your point, uh, I'll make one joke, but then a very serious comment. Uh, the joke is, you know, regarding inflammation, like the doctor will tell me, do you have any swelling? I'm like, are you looking at me? You know, referring to my belly. But anyway, so uh, in terms of the very, very serious point, proof of what you're saying is suicide ideations and suicide attempts and completions are off the charts, right? Uh, for the young, for my age, and for the old. And uh, you all might be surprised by how much uh, self-loathing there is in the generation of the 70-plus-year-olds because unlike us growing up in this era where we've been taught a lot of these things, that if it's talking about, they've not been taught those things. And they've been taught their self-worth is what do you do? And then once you retire now, you don't have any self-worth. And so then you're finding it, seeking to find a religion, but the way they're being taught religion is more toxic than what you've all been taught. And so they all have been trained to believe that they're just complete failures in everything. And it's, it's like more sad to look at the 80-year-olds as sad as it is to look at the 20 year olds and, and their struggles. But we actually have to stop here because I have to um, get started for the next class. All those of you who are in the class for the next class, I actually have to cancel and you're going to have to jump back in. So, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastakfiruka wa natubu ilaik. May Allah reward you all, inshallah.